I don't have any control over what other people think or feel about me. And reality is it's none of my business. When I draw that healthy boundary in my own head, man, it is powerful because it allows me to walk through and focus on the things that I need to be doing in my own life for my own family and those within my circles of influence. What's up, everybody? This is Matt here with the Husband in Law Podcast. This is where we share our stories of love, ex-love, marriage, ex-marriage, divorce, ex-divorce, and coming out of a closet that needed to be opened, and so much more. This podcast is for those who are looking to up their relationship game by understanding first yourself, then others, like your wife, your husband, and your wife's ex-husband on a whole new level. Welcome to the Husband in Law Podcast. Let's get this party started. Hi, my friend. I wanted to know, first and foremost, before we dive in to this amazing episode today, that I have made a slight shift. (laughs) There was an outpouring of people who were wanting to come to the workshop and can't, or who are not in Boise and who are like, hey, I need this right now. Please, can you figure out like, how can I make this happen? How can I be there? How can I be present? And so I pivoted. Instead of doing an in-person workshop this month in August, I am going to be offering you a virtual workshop happening August 23rd. It is in the evening. You can find all of the details at theboldlogic.com forward slash free workshop. Yes, you heard that correct. This workshop is going to be free and it is the last one that is virtual and that is free that I will be offering this year. So if you are like, man, I need some support. I need some help. I want some hope as I'm going through something hard in my relationship, whether that is having a partner come out or some sort of betrayal, please go check out this workshop. Pause right now, head to the show notes and click the link or just type in theboldlogic.com forward slash free workshop and let's get you registered today. I want to let you know that if you cannot be present live at that time, which I really encourage you to because it is the most powerful when you can be in that energy with other people, and then I am there to answer your questions live as well. If you can't be there live, there will be a replay, but that is only offered to those who are registered. So get registered now. I hope to see you there. And let's dive in to today's episode with Noelle McBride, who I absolutely adore and love, and I think you are going to adore and love her too. I want to give you a heads up before we dive into this episode that this has a religious base. A lot of you are religious in some way. A lot of people are connected to us because Steve and I and Matt were all raised in a conservative Christian religion, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, Mormon, LDS, however you identify that religion. And so many of you can relate to how it feels to come out in that religion or to go through a divorce within a conservative religion. And so this is for you. And maybe if you don't understand how that feels or what it's like, this episode might be for you as well to be able to hear and learn from other people's stories and how that can be impactful, how religion plays a part into this whole thing. So just wanted to give you a heads up in case you are like, no, I don't want to hear anything religious. This episode might not be for you, but everybody else, I would love for you to join and follow along and maybe stretch your understanding of what it's like to go through a divorce while being a religious person. I am sending you all love. I look forward to continuing to connect with you. I look forward to seeing you at the workshop and let's dive in with Noelle. I am so excited to have Noelle here today to share with you guys of her experiences going through divorce in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, Mormon, LDS, however you identify our religion. But I think there's a lot to unpack here, whether you're a member of our church or as a Christian going through divorce. And Noelle has so much great experience in that and some wonderful resources for you guys. And so thank you for being here, Noelle. 
Thank you. I'm really excited, Jessica. I am too. This is going to be an awesome conversation. So to start off, I would love for you to just tell us about yourself, like where you're at right now in your life. Sure. So I am actually remarried. I um, married a widower. He had three children and I had three children. Mm -hmm. Um, So we had six together. Uh, So five boys and one girl. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. And we've been married now for eight years and we are at the tail end. Um, We just have one more left in the household. He'll be a senior this next year. So we're nearly empty nesters, which is a very exciting season to enter into. And I have found with being nearly empty nesters, there's a funny thing that happens when you have college age kids that they come back for the summer and then they leave (laughs) and they come back. So it's kind of like a little bit of an open door, but it's a lot of fun. We're, we're enjoying it a lot. So, and I currently work part-time as an interior designer and um, have a lot of fun remodeling kitchens and bathrooms and just making spaces as beautiful as they can be for people. So love all of that so much. I love that you are like us and you don't have, I mean, just a shared, (laughs) shared things to connect over that we don't have any ours kids. You don't have ours kids. We don't have ours kids. Yeah. Uh -uh. No. Yeah. Uh -uh. Yeah. (laughs) People are like, don't you want one of your, like yours? I'm like a little bit. No. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's enough going on. Yeah. And when we blended our families, like my oldest was 17 down to nine and they're okay. like one right after the other. And so there would have been a 10 plus year gap if we'd had yeah. another one plus my age and really having six under the same roof, um, stretched just pretty tight. It was a lot. Yeah, it was a lot, but, um, it has been an amazing experience. It's been harder than I ever imagined, but it's also been better than I ever could have imagined. I love that. So happy for you guys. Okay. So now if you could please go back now and dive into a little bit of your story and what brought you to be doing this work that you do today outside of interior design. (laughs) Uh, So uh, 10 years ago, I went through a divorce and it was very difficult and unexpected. It was not anything that I ever planned. I'd been sealed in the temple and been married for 17 years. And we had three children together. And um, I was doing my best to live the dream, right? Where you are married and for time and all eternity. And uh, that wasn't, that wasn't the end of that story for me. So it was a very, very difficult divorce. And at the time, as I was going through my divorce, I felt like as I looked around, I saw two paths that women were typically taking. Either they were taking an exit out of the church as they went through their divorce, or they were staying within the church as they went through their divorce. And there was a lot more examples of people leaving than staying, um, at least where I was at. And so it was really hard for me. And I, for me personally, I knew that the answers that I was looking for, I was going to find them within the church. That was just, I I knew that instinctively, but I didn't know how to get through that. And so um, I spent a lot of time journaling, tons of time in therapy. I had some really amazing friends that helped me through this whole entire period. And there was one um, moment and it was such an impactful moment. I still remember it very clearly. I was in a rental and my divorce was pretty fresh and I was hiding in the closet crying so that my kids wouldn't hear me crying. Right. And I was on the phone with a friend and I was just sobbing because I was like, I can't believe this is my life. How did I end up here? I'm divorced. I'm a single mom. I have three children. 
And I just was having a really hard time wrapping my brain around it. And she just suddenly got really quiet. And um, she said, Noelle, your story is going to inspire other people someday. Mm-hmm. And she said that to me. And I had this moment and I literally had a flash in my mind of a book mm-hmm. and even a title of the book. And I, it, it was called, and the title that came to me was Beauty for Ashes. And then she actually quoted that scripture to me. And, um, and she just said, you know, the Lord can turn anything in our lives into, you know, c- beautiful things. And so I, I was really taken aback and I just, I immediately pushed it out of my mind because I was in such a um, deep state of distress at that point that I just couldn't even comprehend the idea of writing a book. So I set it aside and, um, and you have to understand, I've always wanted to write writing. I, Mm. I've probably, I have more than 50 journals, personal journals. So I've always been a writer ever since I was a kid, I went to school for interior design, go figure, but, um, I have (laughs) lots of creative outlets is what I've decided. Anyway, um, fast forward several years later, um, and I am remarried and I still have this idea of my book. In fact, you know, every once in a while, I'll tell my husband, I'm going to write a book someday. Right. So we've gotten a couple of kids out the door. It's 2017 and it's general conference. And I am feeling like I finally have some time to breathe. And the thought of an idea of a book of a book comes back to me. And I um, decided to pray about it that weekend for general conference. And um, the very first talk, um, the question was asked, does the Lord have a work for you to do? The answer is yes. That was Ted R. Callister. And I stood in my kitchen and I just bawled. And I was like, all right, Lord, I have no idea how to write a book, but you taught Nephi to, to build a boat so you can teach me to write a book. And so step-by-step, I um, worked hand-in-hand with the Lord to write this book and um, and about my experience and about my journey working through uh, a divorce within the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints while keeping my covenants and finding my way, kind of weaving my way through some of the cultural um, ideas that we carry as, um, you know, members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So, um, and then I will tell you that it was uh, 2020 when I finished my book and it was during the pandemic and I felt so strongly that it needed to get out. Um, There were no publishing houses that were accepting manuscripts at the time. So my husband and I figured out how to self-publish it on Amazon. And then a year later, a really dear friend of mine read it and said, this is amazing. I'm submitting it to my editor. And then they offered me a publishing um, contract uh, with Cedar Fort Publishing, and they actually did not change anything about my book. They said it was wow. so well done. Yeah, which was like the highest compliment. The mm-hmm. editor that I worked with, she's like, "That never happens." I just want you to know. So it's been this amazing journey, and um, never what I could have imagined. But I feel very grateful and humble, and thankful to be in this place of feeling um, um, a lot of healing and wholeness. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that you bring up the point that there were things you knew you were going to do, like write this book, but you weren't ready to embrace that. And I think that's so true for many of us. Like I knew that I would share mine and Steve's story someday, but I also knew it wasn't the time that there would come a time that it was right. And it was like eight years after I was remarried. (laughs) (laughs) Then was the time. So that's beautiful. Like we take it on. It comes, it comes in waves in the certain times. 
thanks for sharing that story with us, your story. Thank you. So one of the things that we want to dive into today is you brought up some of the cultural um, norms within the church and how it impacts you as a, like somebody going through a divorce. And so I would love for you to dive into some of this. Yeah. Well, one of the cultural norms that was really difficult for me to overcome was surrounding forgiveness. There's a lot of um, information and scripture and revealed doctrine that can make the process of forgiving someone, especially when you've been betrayed, uh, uh, really difficult. And also, if you're not careful, it can add another layer of trauma to it. So, for example, we often hear the phrase, you should forgive and forget. And some of us, depending on the relationship that we have been in, forgiveness has actually been used as a weapon against us. Mm. I hear that a lot with the women that I work with now um, and that have kindly written me back, you know, letting me know the impact that my book has had on them. And I actually have a a private Facebook group as well um, that we get to talk about lots of these different things. So I often hear that, you know, you, you just have to forgive your spouse, like the most, you know, uh, the highest levels of betrayal, there's almost an expectation within the divorce or within the church that you forgive and you forget. And if you go, so, so that was something that I really was like, okay, well, where is this at? Where is this? In the scriptures. And the truth is the phrase forgive and forget is not in the scriptures. Mm -hmm. It actually comes from Shakespeare. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? (laughs) People would not know that, but it's become such a part of our vernacular and then also our Christian cultural identity, I think. been without or with um if you're moving outside of the LDS sphere, right? Like I have Catholic women, I have Christian women that have read my book and they're like, this is amazing. There's some beliefs that are different, but wow, yeah. this is powerful. So the forgive and forget concept is actually nowhere in the scriptures. In fact, we are commanded to remember. And so that was a really important thing for me to recognize that part of my process to be able to forgive would be to trust that my heavenly father would take care of all of the injustices that I felt over my particular situation. So what I found is, is that the deeper that I developed my relationship with my savior, Jesus Christ, and the more that I trusted in him within my life, then that gave me the freedom to be able to turn that forgiveness process over to him and trust that I could do the the mercy, the merciful thing and forgive. And then he would take care of the justice part of it. And then I didn't have to carry that. And I didn't need to forget what had happened to me, that that was part of me setting healthy boundaries, which is another thing that we'll talk about. Um, and that then I could have those healthy boundaries set and then move forward with peace. And because boundaries, this is the exciting thing about boundaries. When you set healthy boundaries, then it opens the door to be able to forgive and to be able to move forward in a peaceful state. And we see this in the scriptures, examples of this over and over again. Nephi is a perfect example of this, right? You have Laman and Lemuel, who we often think of as the bad guys, right? Like Laman and Lemuel were always complaining. They were always, you know, they had to be reminded over and over and over again. But one of the things 
that um, I don't think that people think about is, is that Lehman and Lemuel were also doing all of the right things as well. Mm. So pause for a moment in this, because this is one of the things that I think causes the greatest dissonance within the church um, when you're going through a divorce, because you have men and women that are on the covenant path, right? And they are trying and they are choosing different ways of working through and walking the covenant path, right? And if you're going through a divorce and you are struggling um, to get through this and you've had betrayal, right? And your former spouse is still within the church, and still living the gospel and still attending and partaking the sacrament and going to the temple and all of those different things, there's this major dissonance, right? That happens Mm -hmm. like, wait a minute, but I'm doing all these things and we still got divorced. And oftentimes too, you'll see um, like a, that when someone remarries, that there's a renewed, like, I'm going to be an even better person. Right. Right? And so you're like, wait a minute, how come you didn't treat me like that? Right. As you watch Mm -hmm. the old with a new spouse. So there's a lot of, um, like I said, cognitive dissonance, like who's the good guy and who's the bad guy. And as I've gone through this process, I have really come to believe that our heavenly father doesn't see it so black and white, um, that there's a lot of shades of gray. And, um, and then again, also a healthy boundary is trusting that, you know what, I don't know how the answers um, for that person, I can only receive personal revelation for my life and what I need mm-hmm. to do with my life. And as I develop my personal relationship with my savior, then he'll take care of the rest. And I don't have to, un- I don't have to unpack that, but back to Nephi and Laman and Lemuel. So you have Laman and Lemuel and they're, they're doing all these things. Right. And, um, but they're also trying <laughs> to live the gospel at the same time. Right. And they have such different perspectives on things. But at some point, and it is when they start to plot to murder their father, right? And their brother, Laman and Lemuel, that the Nephi is commanded to leave. He leaves the family completely and takes everyone with him. And he removes himself from this. And so many times we think within the church that we have to stay and we have to forgive someone. We still have to allow them in our space. And that in order to be a peacemaker, that means that we have to make ourselves as small and as quiet and um, as agreeable as possible. But that is Nephi didn't do any of those things. He left. And then this is the other thing that is so powerful. He prepared his people for war against the Lamanites, knowing that they would come after them, which I just think is so amazing and powerful because he he recognized and set that boundary. But then he was like, they're going to come after us. So we're going to be prepared. So for me, this translates all into, you know, situations where you have, you know, former spouses that are having to go to court and, you know, still work through things and you still have layers and layers. I mean, even though you get divorced, a lot of times there is more trauma that happens even after, especially if you share children. So anyway, I just, um, I think that it's an important, and you see also Nephi use this example of he forgave his brothers. And you even get to read it like it's called the Psalm of Nephi, right? Where he talks about, you know, why should I be bothered by the enemy? He calls his brothers his enemy, right? Mm -hmm. But he, um, he forgives. He sets a healthy boundary. And then he moves on. And then this is the most beautiful thing. There's one verse that says, and 30 years later, right? They lived after the manner of happiness. Yeah. Like that's the promise of covenant living that even though he was dealing with a murder plot. I mean, like 
that, that's the reality of it, right? Like we would reference mm-hmm. it as state line, but even though he was dealing with that, he, he and his family, they lived after the manner of happiness. So for me, that is really um, inspiring to just watch how that the Lord lays out this wonderful example of working through something um, uh, that is so layered and nuanced and it's not yeah. straightforward of forgive and forget. So Mm-mm. all of this resonates so much of like, yes, <laughs> yes, like, I want to be like preach <laughs> and you are, which I love. And I remember like one of the things when I was like working through everything, I had a lot of questions. Like it just came, kept coming to mind of why are we commanded to uh, forgive everyone and God will forgive whom he will forgive. And it wasn't like, I was like, but why, why do I have to, but just trying to understand it and like, why? And then I realized one day, like it really clicked in that that's a blessing to us to forgive people. Like this is the greatest gift we can have is to be able to forgive and then protect ourselves. Right. You don't forget your, do that protection that you're talking about. We don't have to be mean. We don't have to be vicious, but we get right. to protect ourselves. That's and right. so I think that that is like the thing for me. And it's like, oh my gosh, what a gift to be able to forgive and to be able to move forward and live my life without having to carry the things that Jesus Christ carries, the things that my heavenly parents are going to carry for me. I don't have to do that. They've done that work. So I love this. Okay. So now let's dive into those boundaries. Okay. Well, and I will add one other thought too, really quickly, just to kind of tail end of that is I think another part of that is, um, and I talk about, I talked about this a little bit is that trust. Mm-hmm. And that trust in our Savior's relationship with us. And part of my forgiveness journey has been um, learning to trust that he will take care of those things and he understands it perfectly. Yeah. He understands why things are the way that they are. And I have even grown to understand there's a phrase in the scriptures that talks about that the blood of those that have passed away rises up from the dust. Right. Right. And it is a, and I, um, and I'm not saying that my circumstances warrant this, but I have, I have other women that I, um, am in touch with and friends with that, that the, I would say the sins of their former spouses, those women can forgive and move forward and in live, you know, in peace and happiness, and that those sins as a, they stand as a testament, right? Yes. Yeah. And I talk about this a little bit more in depth in my uh, book, Beauty for Ashes, Divorce and the Latter-day Saint Woman. Uh, you can get it on Amazon and on at Cedar Fort Publishing and even at Deseret Books, which is really nice. Uh, and Target and Barnes and Noble are now car- carrying it too. So, but I talk about this in depth. And um, where there's scripture that explains the process of mercy and justice. And when you understand those, um, how those play with that forgiveness, it really allows that healing to enter in. The other thing I will say is, is that forgiveness when you're going through betrayal trauma is actually a process. A lot of times in the church, we're yes. all about, like stick it in the microwave, press 30 seconds and it'll be ready to eat. Right. Yeah. And, um, that forgiveness should be instant. And sometimes we even inadvertently within, you know, teaching lessons or leading discussions, we can say phrases that you, you just need to forgive. If you would just forgive them, then this would all go away and you wouldn't have this problem anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, 
But we can see from Nephi's example, he freely forgave his brothers and the problem didn't go away. Yeah. So um, I think that it's important. There are some things um, I can, I can honestly say I have forgiven my former spouse for everything that happened during the 17 years that we were married. So that's, that's really fantastic. Right. But I've also had to interact with him the last 10 years as we've mm-hmm. co-parented to raise our children together. And there are things that I'm working through in that process, but I know that I'll get there and yeah. I look forward to that. And I trust in my heavenly father as I work through that process. So I just want to give that encouragement that if you're in the middle of trying to forgive, that sometimes you have to have more time that passes, you know? Yep. So So beautiful. Um, Thanks. Yeah. So let's talk about boundaries. I touched on this a little bit. You know, a lot of times in the church, I think that we have a misconception. And even I would say outside of the church, I would say within the Christian world, exists this misconception that um, boundaries are somehow keeping people out. And Mm -hmm. I have learned um, or come to understand that boundaries are actually a wall that has a door in it that allows people in and out. But that wall is a protection. Um, And when our wall has too many breaks in it, then that inner part of us becomes weak because we constantly have people trampling all over us. And so part of that is learning to be able to uh, recognize that you can say no about things, that you can be firm in your boundaries and um, be kind, but you don't necessarily have to be nice, right? Like I really had this concept of, you know, that I, I just need to be a nice girl. Nice girls don't do fill in the blank, right? Mm -hmm. Nice girls do this, but they don't do this, right? And um, I I would say that the lack of boundaries was a huge contributing factor to the demise of my marriage. And and with that often comes times that you're a little bit codependent, right? Like Mm -hmm. um, lack of boundaries can create codependencies and trauma bonds and uh, really makes it very, very difficult. And then you have a situation where no one party is, you know, not at fault. Yeah. <laughs> both, both are, right? Like that's just yeah. the reality of it. And it can be really hard to untangle all of that. So boundaries also can look different for different people. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think you have some great examples of boundaries within your life. And um, I think it would be awesome for people to get to hear that I can share for my life. Um, I, I actually don't interact at all with my former in-laws at all. Yeah. I just don't. That's a healthy boundary for me. It makes me happier. It gives me space to heal, to forgive all of that sort of stuff. And, um, I don't have any animosity towards them and um, I wish them the very best. Um, but I just recognize that for my own peace and well-being. That is just a healthy boundary that I have set. And so I think that you can have multiple different boundaries set with different people and your interactions and what that looks like. And um, in the beginning, it's messy, right? Like learning how to establish boundaries (laughs) is definitely messy. So for me, it was a process. I worked a lot with my counselor. I read a great book called Boundaries that has a red pencil on it. Um, And so... Anyway, those are just some things it's just taken time and then also becoming comfortable in my own skin and recognizing, you know, I don't have any control 
over what other people think or feel about me. And the reality is it's none of my business. Yeah. Which I had a friend tell me that for the first time. And I'm like, excuse me? Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? Of course it's my business. What other people think of me. But the reality is it, it isn't any of my business. Mm-hmm. And when I draw that healthy boundary in my own head, man, it is powerful because it allows me to walk through and focus on the things that I need to be doing in my own life for my own family and those within my circles of influence. It's such a game changer. Yeah. Such a game changer. And it just leads to also, and you were talking about this, but like not having a need to defend ourselves, which is such a relief of, you know, I, I have no communication with Matt's ex-wife unless there's like an emergency. And so it's, I know things are said and she will text me occasionally and throw things out at me and I will delete the text. Like I am not going, I don't have to defend myself because I know who I am and what my intentions were and whatever. Um, If there needs to be an apology to somebody, I can make that and own that, but I don't have to defend myself. And that's, it is a game changer, man. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So one other story that I want to share too about saying no, because it is hard in our church. And especially um, like one example is just when we receive a calling, we have been taught that you never say no to a calling. You accept every calling because it's divinely appointed and all those things. And, and I get, I get the sentiment behind that. And also I remember the first time I said no to a calling and I think it's maybe the only time, but I was so torn. And kind of like, I don't know what to do. And I I told my bishop I'd think about it. And then I went home and Matt's like, you already know the answer. Like, you cannot commit to this. I'm like, I know I can't. <laughs> and it was because I knew I couldn't serve the people he was calling me to serve because I was so emotionally spent in my own home. I did right. not have the emotional capacity to take on this. It was kids. Um like the activity day girls. I was like, I don't have the capacity to take on these girls because I knew some of the things they were going through. And it was like right in line with what I was already dealing with at home. And I was like, I can't, I can't, I can't be there for them. Um, And so it was a hard thing to kind of navigate. And I did call him later that day and said, I, I really can't do this. And thankfully I had a Bishop who said, thank you for sharing that with me. I really appreciate you being honest and not over committing or anything. And I support that, but that isn't always the case. <laughs> so I, I think that there's something there we have to recognize that it's beautiful, that we are in a position to have that calling extended to us and that opportunity, but it doesn't mean like we still get to have a voice in those things. So I love that you touched on that and all of the other things. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I will say that, especially when it comes to the calling, President Nelson has said, information precedes revelation. Mm. That's how he said it. So, um, well, I agree with the sentiment that we should strive to say yes to callings. I don't think that it was ever meant to be interpreted as we should never say no to callings. Mm -hmm. And having served in leadership positions within the church, uh, I think that, um, yes, there are some inspired callings, but a lot of it is like, you know, these things have to get done and and I'm going to do my best to fill some of these positions, right? And information precedes revelation. So Mm -hmm. 
sometimes we don't have all the information to be able to receive accurate revelation for those within our stewardship. So I, I would encourage, and I think this applies a lot to women, is to be able to speak and say no if you need to say no, accept as you can, and and then do your very best. And yeah. I think on the other side of that, if someone does say no to you, that it's not about you. Yeah. What's going on in their own life, right? Yes. It's really rarely about us, anything. No, no, no. Yeah. And it's honestly egotistical of us to be like, I can't believe they just said no to me of all people, right? So I just, um, I would really encourage, you know, that, that recognize that. And a lot of times too, we can, um, we can judge, you know, what's going on from the outside and not know what's happening on the inside. And we just have to trust that people have the ability, like give them the grace to be able to say no, because you're going to need to say it at some point and then trust them to practice the autonomy within their own lives of being able to take care of their own families and their own spaces and trust that they are doing their best, just like you're doing your best and your best and their best are not the same. No. And that's okay. Yeah. It's great actually. Yeah. It's beautiful. It is a beautiful thing. Um, Okay. Let's wrap things up with talking about blindness within church culture. What are some thoughts you have on that? Yeah. So this was an interesting thing. Uh, I was talking to Jessica earlier, just about, you know, that, that a lot of times, unless you've had an experience in your life, we can have these blind spots. It's just a natural part of being human. It doesn't mean that you're, you know, it's neither a good nor a bad thing, but when you become aware of some of your blind spots, then you have the opportunity. It's like an invitation to be able to change and do better. And, um, or as our prophet would say, you know, to rise to a higher and holier way. And a great example of this is I had a really good friend of mine who um, has six children. She's been married, you know, um, 20 plus years. And she very kindly read my book um, in the very beginning days to kind of support me. Mm-hmm. And when she came back and um, she had tears in her eyes and she said, Noel, I had no idea that there, that as part of being divorced, that you would ever have to come to church and sit by yourself. <laughs> like, yeah, that's a reality for a lot yeah. of women, you know? And then she's like, and then I started looking around in mm-hmm. my world and we have a lot of sisters that are sitting by themselves. And I'm like, yes, we do. Yes, we do. Yeah. And um, she's like, I, I want to make room in my pew. And I loved that. I thought that was such a beautiful thing, but that was a genuine it wasn't out of malice or it was just, she'd never experienced anything like that in her yeah. life. And so it was an invitation for her to go, Oh, this is an area that I can make a small difference in. And that's a huge thing like that. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And I think just, you know, that's one, like you said, one example of this, there's so many things that as we listen to other people's stories, we right. start seeing, oh, okay, this is something I can shift. And it doesn't mean you were a bad, horrible person before. Right. It means nope. that now you are learning and you are going to embrace what you can take on now. We get to take on more um, as we learn and grow. And it's beautiful. Yeah. It's a beautiful process. Yes. Another area I would say within the church that we are, I think, growing in um, because, you know, just like 
if you look back on church history, it's, it is really, really messy and, and lots of parts of it are ugly. I take great comfort in this. Um, I like to, I, I wouldn't say I like, but I am unafraid to face those things about, you know, the, the uh, beginning stages of the church um, growth and, and the people. And the reason for that is because if you look at bits and pieces of my own life, there are some really messy, ugly bits too. And thank goodness we have the ability to have the atonement of Jesus Christ work in our lives. So those messy things don't make me afraid. It's actually really, really comforting for me mm-hmm. to see how the Lord works to bring about things, even with really, really imperfect people. But um, just to kind of go back to this area that I think that we are growing within, and that is how we um, comfort those that stand in need of comfort and um, how we succor one another um, through periods of grief. And there is a really strong, um, hard period of grief that you can go through as part of a divorce, right? It's a death of a relationship. Um, so it is, you, um, you mourn it as you would mourn a death. And mm-hmm. that is another area that can be really difficult as members of the church and knowing how do I help? I think that as far as divorce goes, that we have gotten better about this. You know, um, I currently have, you know, some very close friends and even relatives that are going through a divorce and, um, and the support that they have within their wards and their communities is really fantastic. And I'm grateful for that. I think another area that we're growing in this is though, is when people experience death within the church, my husband and I, my husband that I'm currently married to, we lost a son to suicide and that was a really devastating thing. And then, um, just a year and a half later, I lost my mom and yeah, so really, really hard, um, things. And I'm still working through that and that, that grief process. And it's really taught me this other area. And, and I first recognized it in myself, right? Because often we see people go through these difficult things and we kind of have two reactions, right? There's something that we're seeing online and in social media will be like, oh, my heart goes out to them. We might send them a note, like, I'm just, I'm praying for you, you know, let me know if there's anything that I can do, right? Which is a wonderful sentiment. And I say that that is the beginning stage of that, learning how to comfort those that stand in need of comfort. And, but as part of our covenants, right? Like we've covenanted mm-hmm. to to do this and to help one another. So part of that is learning how to do just a little bit more. So uh, in the case of divorce or betrayal trauma, um, this can be things that look like, how can I, um, instead of just offering, you know, let me know if you need anything. That's one of the phrases that we say, I'm here. Let me know if you need anything. Looking for opportunities for ways to serve. I had yeah. one that was so beautiful. I was, you know, I had three young children. I was renting a house and had a beautiful yard and I never mowed that yard once. It was always somebody mowed it for me. Um, when it snowed, somebody shoveled my driveway for me. Somebody blew the leaves. I have no idea who took care of all of that for me, but it was such a gift as a single mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, have someone do that for me to look for a need and then to help fill it. And I believe that that is what our prophet means when he asks us to live that higher and holier way of comforting those that stand in need of comfort. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Like those moments, those people who step up in your life when you're in the thick of it, you will never forget them. 
even if you yep. don't know who they are. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, or like who step in, I found who step in for my kids. Like they have such a tender place in my heart and it's just a beautiful gift. And it doesn't have to be something big. It can be something small, but just people who take action, right? Just do. And it is like, okay. And, and to remember, give ourselves grace. There is a time in the season for us to be the doers and all of that. Like, it's just like a <laughs> it yeah. ebbs and flows. So Noel, thank you so much. I know we could keep going on and on and talking about all the things. There's so much to um, unpack and dive into when it comes to going through a divorce, especially within a conservative Christian religion or, you know, any religion, I would imagine. And thank you for using your experiences to help other people and to share that. And I just so love that and appreciate that. Uh, if you guys, our listeners are like, okay, I need more, please go pick up Noelle's book. We will link that in the show notes, as well as she has a free support group for women who um, are going through divorce. And I know you mentioned like, it's not just women in the Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints, it's Christian women in general. If you are interested, there are things like, even that we talked about today that you might not completely understand or relate to, but you will relate to these feelings. I know people have felt that there. Also, Noel, you said you had alluded earlier to when we were talking about the fact you are opening up a program, an eight-week um, workshop yes. that you haven't opened for a couple of years, and it's going to be opening up this fall. What is the best way for people to stay connected to you so they can be aware of how to join that? So probably the easiest way is uh, just to visit my website and it's books by Noel. So B-O-O-K-S-B-Y-N-O-E-L-L-E. So booksbynoel.com. And there is a place for you to sign up if you're interested in the workshop and you'll be notified as soon as that um, comes online and the dates um, become live. And the other way is um, also in our free um Facebook group. And our group is a little bit different than a lot of different support groups. We really focus on healing and hope. Um, and which I just feel like there's a need for that. Uh, I love the other Facebook groups. They're great. They have great information. A lot of times they're used for venting and how do I work through this and that. But then once you get to a certain place, there is kind of, you, you need, you want that encouragement. You want to be able to talk about this experience that you've had that's unique but you want to talk about it in a way that is focused on the hope and the healing that comes after the living after the manner of happiness, right? Yes. So that's really what you're going to find in our um, Facebook group is a lot of hope. Yeah. And, healing. and I love, like, I was just looking at your Facebook group. I'm in it, but also I was like, you know, I love the name of it because it's beauty for ashes, hope and healing after divorce. And you're right. There comes a point where you're like, I am sick of sitting in the negativity and the, you know, people rehashing these, their stories. And yes, there's a place for that. And there's a way to do it that can move us forward. Um, but we, we really start looking for that hope and thanks for giving that to so many women. All of the links that Noelle just talked about will be in our show notes, the link to the Facebook group, um, a link to follow her on Instagram, a link for her, um, for her book, everything will be there. So go check it out. You can get all of her information and connect with her there. Thank you so much for being here today and for sharing all of the good that you're doing in the world. Thank you, Jessica. 
What a powerful conversation with Noelle. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you are looking to connect more with Noelle, if something she said spoke to you and you want more of her, please be sure to go follow her on social media. You can find those links in our show notes. Go pick up her book or whatever it is that resonates with you. Go find her and connect with Noelle. I think she has some great insights and so much to offer. So head that way. And also don't forget that if you are experiencing any sort of crisis in your relationship, or maybe you have in the past, I work with women who have experienced crisis or had a partner come out and they call me or get a hold of me within a week of disclosure. And I have some women who are seven, 10 years out from going through something hard in their relationship who are like, this one thing is still holding me up and I want to let it go. I want to be done with that. I want to feel safe. I want to have peace. I want those things. If you are ready for that, please, please, please get registered for the workshop. It is a beautiful free place to begin and to be in community with other women who are going through the similar things. Also, if you are concerned about anonymity or staying anonymous or anything like that, please know that it is a safe space. And also if you are extra concerned and that's real for you, which I totally understand, you can show up and put a different name in the Zoom link and not turn your camera on, whatever feels safe for you. I want you to feel safe as you navigate this healing process. I want you to also know you are not alone and that you have a community of women who are there to support you. Again, to sign up for the workshop, you can go to theboldlogic.com forward slash free workshop or the link is in the show notes. Last but not least, we are going to be starting recording again with Matt and Steve. If you have any questions for us, please also visit the link in the show notes. You will see it there to submit questions that you have for the three of us because we would love to be able to support you directly and answer those questions on the podcast because here's the deal. If you have that question, somebody else has that question as well. Guaranteed, there's somebody in our audience, probably more than one person who is thinking that same thing. And we would love to be able to support you guys in the best ways that we can. Have a great week. Sending you all the love. Take care. And I look forward to hearing from you soon.